0: Protect the president from danger. In Cartagena, we got help from strangers. Thought we deserved a tryst, we got secretly serviced. Odds are we won't be
1: employed tomorrow. Secret, Secret service.
0: service 15 hookers to pay with Groupon was a plan. Though we got it on with some hot mama.
1: All right, we are back, and we usually do obituaries in this part of the program, but we've just kind of gotten out of the habit of doing that because we just have so many to do. Just too many. So we're planning to probably do an all obituary show sometime later in the month of May. Ranking high in that list of discussions will be the late, great Jonathan Winters, who left us last week. Jack Parr once said about Jonathan Winters, if I had to think of the 25 funniest Americans, it probably would be Johnny Winters. I was rather appalled to see his passing noted by the tweets being put out by Robin Williams, his incredibly poor imitator, who did manage to get down the the Jonathan Winters improv style and rapid-fire speech, got that down pretty well, just... Didn't seem to include the funny part. Did we do the opinion part yet? I don't think so. Okay, well, you know, that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California, who, God help us, I hope, doesn't, don't think that Robin Williams is funny. And, yes, we'll also do that, that famous comedy cut-up, Baggy Thatcher, when we get the chance. Let's instead jump into an item from the, you know, you just have to like this story which is, as you may have noticed, that researchers have identified the voice of Alexander Graham Bell for the first time in some of the earliest audio recordings held at the Smithsonian. Apparently, uh, Bell's voice got identified with the help from the technicians at the Library of Congress and the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in California. The museum holds some of the earliest audio recordings ever made, but they were kind of afraid to play these old wax, wax discs from the 1880s. But with new technology using, I presume, laser light and a 3D camera, they were able to uh, basically read the sound digitally from the grooves in the wax disc. Pretty cool. Not so pretty cool is this item. Apparently a woman in Phoenix who accused an Air Force lieutenant colonel of sexually assaulting her was stunned to learn that the base commander had reversed the officer's conviction for attacking her. And I guess that's the way it works in the military. Some in Congress are trying to get some laws passed to... uh, (laughs) Make that uh, not how it works, or can work, but apparently Kimberly Hanks told NBC News last month it looked as though the commander who overturned Lieutenant Colonel James Wilkerson's conviction was protecting one of his own. News media doesn't routinely identify people who say they were sexually assaulted, but a group representing Hanks says she voluntarily came forward to shed light on what it calls the military's mishandling of sexual assault cases. Apparently, Wilkerson denied the sex assault allegations, and the commander said he found Wilkerson believable. So let's just take that conviction and toss it out. And I have to quote from the, the, the Peter Baker piece in the New York Times about the Bush Museum to note that Bush, a president and before that a governor, notorious for his denial of information to the public, now has a presidential library that asks you, the visitor, to, to um, make your own decision. What, what would you have done? you're then given some contrived scenarios with which to work with. According to the piece, you could decide, invade Iraq or leave Saddam Hussein in power. Well, I think we'd, we'd vote for uh, leave Saddam Hussein in power, even though he was no prize, but at least in the country they had power, and at least 100,000 people alive that are now dead. Okay, this I, I, and I'm, again, I'm quoting from the piece, choices you might make. What would you do? Deploy federal troops after Hurricane Katrina or rely on local forces. Notice how they don't frame that. Send meaningful aid or fly over the scene in the presidential jet and look down. Also, bail out Wall Street or let the banks fail. And apparently these hypothetical exercises come with touchscreens. <laughs> I guess maybe you get to vote for Bush all over again, the touchscreen. Be interesting to see what happened if you voted for Gore or Kerry, whether you get corrected. But no, you get to pull up video of advisors before voting on whether they would choose the same options as Bush. The museum's 14,000 square feet of exhibits note the article, present the presidency Bush intended, tax cuts, (laughs) right, no child left behind, that worked out pretty well, faith-based social services, oh yeah, to hell with that separation of church and state thing, juxtaposed against the presidency he ended up having, terrorism and war, But the part I like best about all this is apparently uh, Vice President Dick Cheney, former Defense Secretary Don Rumsfeld, and Karl Rove, the president's political strategist, make only cameo appearances in news footage in the library. As if Bush really was running the show. Anyway, enough of that. Let's move on to this sunny piece. Apparently the conservative Koch brothers are mulling over a bid to buy newspapers. They apparently laid out a plan three years ago on a 10-year strategy to shift the country towards smaller government and less regulation and taxes, at least for them. The first two pieces of the strategy were educating grassroots activists. I like the part, educating grassroots activists. I think of that every time I'm watching a, a KVIE and I see that it was sponsored by the Cokes. whatever programming you'd seen. Generally not political, though, I'll say that about it. But, um, Influencing politics was the second item on the the hit list, and and the third, not surprisingly, was media. Up till now, the Kochs have mostly avoided media investments, but um, we shall see what happens in the not-too-distant future. Peace quoted Seton Motley, president of Less Government, a group devoted to shrinking government, said that the 2012 presidential election reinforced the view that conservatives needed a broader media presence. He said a running joke among conservatives as we watch the GOP establishment spend $500 million on ineffectual TV ads is, why don't you just buy NBC? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but NBC's owned by General Electric. I thought they already owned NBC. He added, it's good the you are talking about fighting fire with a little fire. Yeah, yeah, I guess this, I guess this, we're talking about the liberal media here that needs to get bought by conservatives. If this reflects reality, Dear listener, I would like you to contact us at info at radioparallax.com because we need to do some real estate deals. We've said it before, and I think I'll say it again. The liberal mainstream media is like the Loch Ness Monster. I've always heard about it. I just haven't seen much evidence of it. Oh, and by the way, we left this item off of the this day in history, but I guess we're sort of backing into it now that, uh, since I couldn't resist that wisecrack, that actually it was... On May 2nd, 1933, that the Scottish newspaper, the Inverness Courier, related an account of a local couple who claimed to have seen an enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface of the lake. The next year, 1934, a photograph seemed to show a dinosaur-like creature with a long neck emerging out of the murky waters. The man who produced that photograph admitted many years later on his deathbed that he'd faked it using a toy submarine. And indeed, sophisticated analysis of the waves that you see on the water reveal, uh, reveal that it is indeed a small object, not a dinosaur. And although I'm dying to use the segue, and speaking of dinosaurs, I don't know where to go with that unless we go back to Dick Cheney, but no, let's not. Let's instead return to a topic we've talked about in this program before, the scandalous use of antibiotics in America's meat supply. I was rather horrified to see a Beef 101 insert from the California Beef Council in the, the Sacramento News and Review. It's clear that the beef industry wants to fight back, and, and I have to admit, I'm not a vegan, I'm not a vegetarian, I do eat beef, but I remember when I was an undergraduate at UC Davis, once hearing somebody go on about how bad beef was, and I said, but cows eat grass, people can't eat grass, therefore... By utilizing cows, we're, we're tapping into a source of food, grass that we humans can't eat. And the guy looked at me and said, you wear the fact that we just feed them grain and it takes 10 pounds of grain to make one pound of beef, which at that time I did not know. And I was sort of appalled to learn this and even more appalled to see in the news and review the bit they have about uh, antibiotics. There's a little blurb saying, you know, we're asking the question, are antibiotics in cattle overused? and creating resistant bacteria. According to the Beef Council, antibiotics in cattle are used to prevent, control, and treat disease and raise safe beef. Well, well, that's sort of true up to a point. You can use antibiotics to try and prevent, perhaps, and control and treat some diseases, but basically antibiotics are in cattle feed to help the animals grow faster, which Due to reasons we don't fully understand, by killing off bacteria in the gut, what have you, more nutrients are available available and the animals grow faster. It's not being done to prevent disease. It's being done to make meat a little bit cheaper. But notes the Beef Council. All drugs used to raise food animals are extensively tested and monitored. Well, duh. And each new product must go through dozens of studies before approval by the Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, because the antibiotics are supposed to be used by humans, so we do test them. He notes, this process helps protect human health while giving veterinarians and beef producers the tools to keep animals healthy. Well, yeah, but they're, they're dodging the issue about resist, creating resistant bacteria. But they say, by law, no beef with antibiotic residues that exceed FDA standards is allowed in the food supply, and all products approved by the FDA for use in food-producing animals must pass significant human food safety benchmarks. They go on. Cattle producers avoid using antibiotics that are important in human medicine. Not quite true. In multiple studies, no connection has been found between antibiotic use in cattle and antibiotic-resistant foodborne and other pathogens. Well, how hard have they looked, really? And the statement that no connection has been found is not true. Some studies have shown a link. They close with, The U.S. government closely tracks antibiotic resistance. Well, yeah, yeah. Like methicillin-resistant staph, vancomycin-resistant clostridium difficile, But are they out at the cattle pens taking samples from the manure to see how much resistant bacteria there is there? I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope so. I hope I'm wrong. But I really don't think so. We'll continue to follow this story. And In the meantime, this reinforces this correspondent's desire to just eat grass-fed beef. I was in a restaurant in the city and they were offering grass-fed sliders on the menu, little hamburgers. And I said to Is the other beef uh, on the menu uh, grass-fed as well? And they (laughs) said, no. said, oh, okay, well, I'll have the sliders then. And I close by noting that this program was produced by Edward McMillan. This has been Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week.
0: A long, long time ago We used to get our food homegrown And toothpaste used to make you smile It used to be you'd shop with ease Never eating antifreeze You planned to keep on living quite a while But now our goods are all delivered From somewhere on the Yangtze River No one knows the source there So you might find some horsehair But if corporations make a buck They don't give a flying (laughs) Peking duck (laughs) And with this system we get stuck today It makes you sigh Now when you abide by an American pie Your grandma didn't bake it, it was made in Shanghai where they engineered the apples to be juicy, not dry. But the crust is made of cardboard and lye. Don't feed it to your dog. He might die. Now, did you eat a tasty cake? And did it make your stomach ache? I could have said I told you so in one, is some guy took bribes in Sichuan so you just bit into little Debbie's toe. And now the toys you bought from Fisher Price have toxins deemed unsafe for mice, and Elmo tends to wheeze, cause he's laced with he's but all my problems, Seem so far when I see my cheap new DVR. I'll even brush my teeth with tar, and you'll we'll see that I'll buy buy from some young guy. I drive a Chevy and it's heavy, but the price is too high. Soon twenty bucks'll buy a car from Shanghai, and honey, that'll be the day we all die.